This is the Toasted Sister Podcast, radio about Native American food. I'm Andy Murphy. Sister has been nominated as an innovator in this year's Local Hero Awards by Edible New Mexico magazine. And that's so exciting! So, local heroes are those who are championing New Mexico cuisine and foodways. And I do that as a storyteller, not only for New Mexico's indigenous food, but indigenous food throughout Native America. And it'd be so great if you could vote for Toasted Sister podcast in the innovator section. There are links everywhere. They're in the show notes on ToastedSisterPodcast.com and all over the social media pages. That's Facebook, Instagram, and I'm on Twitter at Andy Murphy. Also, don't you notice something sounds a little bit different? This is a new track from C.W. Ione's new album. It's called What They Say, and it includes six brand new songs and six re-recorded songs from previous albums. It's available on Bandcamp and hard copy if you see them live. And if you want to know more about the band, that's Cooper Ione and Felipe Toltecat. They're featured in the archive in episode 27 of this podcast. They're a great couple of guys who make the best music. So follow the band on Facebook and Instagram and check out cwayon.com. That's cwayon.com. So let's get this episode started. I'm so sorry to keep you all waiting for this one. And I know the guys, um, Benjamin Shendo and Linus Yellowhorse, have been waiting for this one. So I visited them at Gatherings Cafe in Minneapolis way back in September. And here's our fun and very inspirational interview. They know what's hope My name is Ben Shendo from Hamas and Cochiti Pueblo. And I'm living up here in Minneapolis, working at the Gatherings Cafe, the Minneapolis American Indian Center. My good friend, my good help in the cafe, my brother just sat down, so I'm going to let him introduce himself, too. I'm My name is Lance Yellowhorse. I am Thana Autumn, and I'm from a village called Badgerwell. Cool. So, Ben, I know you from NMSU, which is um, a coincidence. Um, I know our our old um, NMSU American Indian Studies professor, Don Pepion, he tagged you in one of one of my uh, he tagged you in like a Facebook comment, and that's when I made the connection that hey, I know this dude. He's from NMSU. Uh, how did you get up here to uh, Minneapolis? My partner Sibella and I. 
well, heard more, you know, got accepted into an internship at the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis, American Indian. Oh, no, Minneapolis, you know, at the Indian Health Board. So when she found out we were coming up here, you know, we made the move in August last year. You know, like the last week of August, we got up here. She started her program. You know, a couple weeks after, I was trying to find out what I wanted to do. And the Minneapolis Center, American Indian Center, had all these things from archery, fitness, working out, and their cafe. And, you know, the guy working, the chef at the time, Austin Bartold, you know, I always watch him. I just asked him for help if he needed help one day. And, you know, he put me in the kitchen and... You know, it's kind of so fun because it just took off from there, you know, so. You know, I, I forget what you were studying over at NMSU, but I don't think it was culinary arts or anything like that. How, um, what is what has your training been like here, and, and what are the sorts of things that you are cooking up at the Gatherings Cafe? All right, so when I went to school at NMSU, I was doing a cultural anthropology with Don Pepion, so... It was so nice because with that, you know, travel, see different places, learn, you know, and cuisine and food is always a part of tradition, you know, going to different places, seeing what their local, you know, people grow and what they feed. And, you know, so that was always a part of anthropology. Cooking, you know, I've always loved eating. I've always loved, you know, being with my grandma and aunties and just seeing them in the kitchen. And, you know, when you go away from home, I think that's the best part because you want to taste home and you got to do it in the kitchen so when I came up here you know I've always liked doing that and Austin you know was the person that kind of just guided me to be like hey man we're gonna come and we're gonna tear this up for for like a month and a half it was just him Austin and myself and you know just kind of went down that path of really cooking for people like 500 200 120 and it's like whoa just never did you think you'd be cooking for that many people. You see it at feast days, but, you know, it's like, you know, you see that whole process. But, you know, I got to sh- say to him, you know, he helped me out opening up a whole new door. And, you know, now we're making people happy through food. And our motto is like food is medicine. You give them the right stuff. They're going to have the right thoughts and, you know, different things that are going to change their view. So <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't come up here wanting to cook or thinking I was going to cook, but... You know, creator was like, all right, man, you like food so much, you're going to just start dishing it out. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it came. So, Oh, okay, so wild rice is the main food. You know, they just got done harvesting. They're still harvesting out at the lakes and the rivers. You know, such a cool process, beautiful, a lot of hard work. You know, that's their corn from the north. So they're all doing that, and they have their different types of grub at the bison, walleye. You know, we work on turkey. We have a modern twist as well, but, you know, those three proteins are the main thing. So we work with the local bison farm. You know, we got the Red Lake walleye coming in. You know, we're filleting that. We're making some really good, you know, meal for people, meals for people. And salads, you know, we're trying to do different things. We work with Dream of Wild Health, so they have a, you know, a hoop house, greenhouse land where they're just growing and bringing us boxes of different foods. And, you know, every week it's a different box, and so it's different things coming in and we're just giving people the freshest food and stuff like that but you know wild rice i like more are you adding any of new mexico new mexico flavors here Uh, so that's the thing where linus and i talking about we love our chili you know we love the heat and we planted chili this year too so we have our own growing but you know opening up the palates to some you know heat i have a couple of ristos that we went through like it's like 
Sleeping Beauty or was it, was it Snow White or the Beauty and the Beast when like, he has the rose and it starts falling the petals and that was like our chili is getting smaller <laughs> and smaller and so you know but we're doing that and you know we're going to be going deer hunting here soon so hopefully we can get a deer and you know bring those types of stuff that we you know always eat back at home but yeah chili's the main thing the corn beans squash but chili's the new thing because you know they don't have too much and then uh you linus how did you uh find yourself here in minneapolis at gatherings cafe just by chance actually <laughs> just like him and i ruined it's like uh i was in spent last year in arizona for the summer and i dreamed to spend my family and it was kind of an open-ended reality and for my for me and I got ready for a Muay Thai fight and did that. And after that, my idea was like, I'm going to go up north to see Ben because that was an idea before was to come up here during August and maybe get a chance to rise because he was like, I'm coming up here. Come visit me. And I was like, all right, man, I got to find a way up there. And it didn't happen exactly in August. I got here in November. But yeah, after Arizona, September, I had a fight. And then I just kind of made my way this way slowly, went through New Mexico, went up to Cincinnati and then came this way. And so I got came up here November 5th. And then the sixth, I was in here in the kitchen in the cafe, just doing dishes and stuff. Like my my, my goal and my my plan was to just keep making beadwork and jewelry and get to like another pipeline resistance camp, like in Cheyenne River. So I'm just to hang out with the friends, or whatever, and help out because he wanted someone to maybe teach community martial arts to their children and stuff. But I just ended up staying here and helping Ben in the kitchen. It was just like after a couple of weeks, I was like, hey, you think I could just kind of stick around and. Before I know it, I'm <laughs> sleeping on our old chef's couch through for the winter, learning new crafts and stretching hides, skinning bunnies, and man, just all these different things. And I came here with no intentions of cooking. And like, if anything, I was going to just do dishes and kind of stay in the background. And these guys could do all the good stuff, but they just kind of brought it out of me. Like, started off with, you want to try a soup? It's like, oh, no, I never, never made a soup. What if I mess it up? And now it's like, yeah, I everything like it's like wow what do we got oh, throw it in the soup yeah, throw it in the soup but it's just interesting i never a year ago 10 months ago i wouldn't have saw myself in a kitchen like this working with indigenous ingredients for the region and working with a really good homie like a really good friend a brother and it's like man and i had an opportunity last summer on the reservation i was working on a res kitchen which is just underneath the ramada Wato, and they just had like a fire you throw the wood in and big old pots and cast iron pans just cooking over the flames and it was completely different. Like, and man, I, as I saw myself in this situation, like, oh, I just do what I did there. I did prep and I did dishes, and I didn't never fathom myself kind of getting ideas inspired to bring uh, trying recipes from ingredients back home and just working bouncing ideas off here. Like, we think we should try this. Uh, we did it this way last time. Yeah, try it this way, and we'll see what happens. Worst case scenario, we'll eat it. And it's just so yeah, I've been here for ten months now. It's just surreal things because I never saw myself staying in a like an area for this long i just didn't have any driver ambition and i was like man i love it here this is something else and now i'm just trying to get to the point where i can bring everything else in my world that i used to do in my life back incorporating everything that we're learning here as far as the cooking and the the dancing that we do and just there's so much right here in this area there's yeah such a great community i've never really felt this type of connection with from my work it's like i'm actually i'm getting paid to do this for people i don't know it's just amazing and have so much fun. I'm just grateful to be here. But yeah. <laughs> so you're an MMA fighter. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Do you? Um, how did you get into uh, martial arts, and where are you right now? Uh, it all started like in a like I guess, I guess a past life ago due to growing up on a reservation with traumas and insecurities and stuff like that, and I saw that on TV and with the angry mentality, my brain was like, I could do that. And then after 
uh, someone told me about like, oh, you should go to the jujitsu academy in Santa Fe, and it's like, all right, I'll try it out. And then I realized Darren was like, man, this is like I am not as like tough in my head as I thought I was, and like I had a lot to learn. So I kind of ch- like chiseled away those egos, but sticking with it because the discomfort was something that I felt I had to deal with, and it would help me grow. And uh, I guess three years after that, I ended up getting one MMA fight, and it went it went well. Like I guess I, I won, but. I never really got back in a cage like that again because I guess my mentality was, like, I didn't like the stress of preparing for all the pressure of, like, getting ready for a fight, this and that. I enjoy other things, aspects of life as well, like music and hiking and camping and stuff like that. So I didn't commit to it fully. But I ended up getting a black belt in jiu-jitsu, like, about two years ago, and I got to do my first Muay Thai fight a year ago because I was trying to get one of those for the past three years. But... So now I'm here at the center. They have the fitness center over there, and I've been trying to keep at it consistently over here as far as training Muay Thai, working on combinations and drills. And I just got introduced to, to a guy recently who's a, a like he works for the sous chef, and he's a, also trains boxing. So he's he came last Friday. We got to do some drilling, and today he's going to be by again for shortly. So I'm just now I'm just trying to keep it alive and keep practicing and training, and hopefully eventually get into a gym here too as well. But, but yeah. Ben, I know you know food is a is a vital part of our um, part of our community anywhere, and you know even in urban places there's still some kind of connection, but maybe sometimes that connection isn't strong, especially in other uh, communities and and maybe even border towns. How important is it for um, you know the native people here in Minneapolis around this center to be connected to their food? You know, so when I got here last year, you know, we take, for example, right across the street, there was an encampment of just natives, you know, piling up of, you know, no housing, places to stay. The winter was starting to come around the corner, and that's when Linus got here. And so it was nice because at that time we were feeding people, you know, very good food and people who were not having any food, people who were hungry, little kids. And so our program, the center, gave out vouchers for people. And so, you know, reconnecting them through that because... Right now, everybody lives in the fast convenience of, you know, getting food real quick, you know. And, you know, we don't have a lot of money to spend, so that's also something we got to consider for the Native people because, you know, you don't want to waste your money on something that you're going to get very little of or very, I guess, not as much as a reward or something as the eye. And so here at the cafe, I feel, you know, we're trying to get to the people who might not only have, like, only five bucks or a couple bucks but still work with their budget to get something to eat. Because if we don't, then, you know, Taco Bell, McDonald's is just right down the road. And, you know, that's where they end up going. And so, like what I said, if we're trying to get people back into eating healthy, we just got to make it, you know, available for them. Here, try this out. You know, come in here. And with the people we're working with, like the youngsters, it's really that generation that's going to get us out of the mentality of eating that and start cooking again, being at home. You know, we always tell our youngsters to uh you know do homework is to cook for your family at home try something on the weekend you know wake up bright and early start making it and let the smell be something that wakes them up you know kind of having that kind of old school family because we all had that I always remind them and when you cook it's the best lesson because you get to you know share something very of importance you might get to read the audience and something that may they may need to hear at that time or you just feel it but you know food is just the best way to address anything and so sometimes with the food, you know, a lot of people waste food and just reminding them just the little things. Hey, 
You know, all that wild rice you're going to throw away, you know, think about the grandma and the auntie and the uncles who had to come out, harvest it, dance on it, roast it, you know, the whole process. So just kind of you know, telling them again, reminding them, you know, like what I heard one time, it's like everything's so old, it's learning it like it's new again. And for the ones who had that, you know, time to be at home and, you know, not grow up in the city because the city life is very different if you're brought up in a small community, you know, in the rural areas because here they're hit with the lifestyle of, of just, you know, metropolitan drama and stress and the things, but then you got the identity thing of being native away from home and then now you gotta think about my food that I gotta eat on top of everything that everybody else is dealing with. And so coming here I like to say if it's like a way, you know, it's like you're in a nice little house because like Linus mentioned, you never felt so good with working with people and it's like, oh, I can't wait to go to work because I'm going to see my family. I'm going to see the elders next door. I'm going to see the kids that come through the doors. And, you know, that's what this place offers them. And, you know, that's why I feel comfortable here. All right. Uh, what, what's your connection to um, traditional food uh, where you're from? Did you grow up uh, eating your traditional food? So brought up in Hamas, you know, I go back to Cochiti and, you know, I always will get, and this is the funny part, you know, I had a lot of allergies growing up, so every time we'd be in the fields and time would be coming, you know, i bust out in all this pollen eyes, you know, rash. And they'd be like, what does that mean? Go home. So i go home. And then my grandma would be like, you're not just going to chill there, so we're going to start cooking, doing stuff, prep work. So I always remember that being young and, you know, just seeing that, you know, all our huntings that we go on, our hunts, our uncles would be the chefs out there making this real good stews of the food that they made and, you know, just seeing our different ceremonies throughout the year and what we use and prepare and, you know, the seasonal foods that come through. You go to Cochiti on the other side where they harvest chum at the time and, you know, it's just a nice herb that they have growing around. And so you go to different tribes, you go to different places, different friends, and you notice that there's different you know, stuff that we incorporate now. And so I was thankful to have that back at home. And, you know, as I got to travel, as I got to school, you know, going to Vancouver Island with Don's, you know, kind of permission, going to study abroad there, you know, traveling down south, you know, with my capoeira mestre, seeing Brazil through, you know, the, you know, bicycle and eating, you had to eat. So street food was very common. And, you know, you want to replicate these meals that you have because they're so good and you bring that back and you know that's what we want to try to get everybody to kind of do here because Linus and I are like a cool example of you know we have our own backstories our own things that we used to do but you can get anybody to start cooking at any point in life you know because you know I like I say it's just creating <laughs> creating the do because when you do something and it's anything you know, I got to do my laundry, I got to do the dishes, I got to do the yard work, you know, I got to cut an onion, I got to make a soup. It's just creating that drive again that I think that we're losing as just, you know, everybody, every kid. Because, you know, one thing that takes that away is the phone, you know, makes our kids not want to do anything with their hands because they're swiping and doing things. But they can, you know, learn how to skin a rabbit or fillet a fish and shoot a bowl, kind of those things. But we all play a bigger part. And when we talk to the kids, it's nice to, you know, remind them that we're all special, we're all different, like, you know, spices, you know, all different spices in life. And some of us work together, some of us, you know, don't have that until we have another person come in and just neutralize and make something taste good. And, you know, in a time of where kids aren't feeling that, you know, I guess, 
self-value no more are told that there's something, you know, we always got to do that and reminding them that creator made us different for each other, you know, all different for a special reason. And once we meet our friend or our partners in life, you know, it's really something that we got to take forward. And for me, you know, just every day, you know, we pray that we wake up, feed the people that they need to be fed, you know, make positive good food because if it's our last day here you know what's the stuff that we're doing it's just really trying to you know be good and live a good path and work out train we do hoop dancing here there's you know you know mashika classes there's so many things that this place offers you know that's that's it you know just living good here and uh for you linus um did you grow up uh, uh connected to your traditional food I mean, we were very fortunate in school to have those teachings in a way uh, mixed with English. They would teach us the numbers and the languages and, I mean, the numbers and the, yeah, the, the words. And then we also were introduced to the, the lands as well because in the Thanatham Nation we have lots of edible as far as cactus and fruits and stuff. So we, I remember in, right now I'm thinking about Miss Enos in kindergarten. She'd be telling us about the eat pie, the prickly pears. Like, oh, yeah, just don't eat the seed. Just going to make you have to. Yeah, but, but So, yeah, like it was nice that we were connected like that and, I guess as I progressed or grew up and got more, my mentality got more towards, uh, how I say, westernized living and stuff like that. Or I, I was fortunate to grow up in a village in the middle of nowhere, so we did have that option and opportunity to just go out back and forage if we want. And now I'm really grateful and happy that I still have cousins that do that and that still keep it alive as far as foraging and like a, a lot of chiodim and right now eat pie, like the prickly pear fruit right now is what's in season. So my cousin's out there getting some of that and hopefully he'll be sending me some juice or something soon. But yeah, I told him already, so. Yeah, and then, uh, but yeah, like, when I turned 18, I moved away from the reservation for about 15 years. I was in New Mexico. I started off in college, but ended up uh, just kind of using martial arts, like, yeah, for most, like, eight years when I was out there, something like that, and, but uh, whenever I was away living in Santa Fe, I kind of, it kind of helped me miss home more in a way in the ways we used to live, and so whenever I go home, I'd be more, I'd be more inclined to go up in the mountains and just pick, do stuff I used to when we were younger, so... And my brothers and cousins were generally down to, or enthused to go out with me as far as foraging. We, it kind of would start as a hike and we'd end up foraging or something. So it was always exciting like that. And so, yeah, lately, it's, uh, I remember we were picking allium, me and a cousin of mine, a couple years ago. And then he does uh, farming, too. They do little fields. And, yeah, this uh, last couple years ago, we got to pick some chiorim, the choya cactus buds. And, yeah, man, we've been kind of bringing it back. It's been fun. Lately, it's just more increasingly. Even like, uh, yeah, going home, it's nice to know that they have like dried, the dried foods from the that they've picked and bust them out. Different meals. We'll do crockpot goods and throw some chiodim in there, or the gatusa, the roasted corn, and yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Where do some of the ingredients come from um, that you guys cook at the cafe? We got uh, the bison farm that Ed Eichten has, which is about 45 miles north of here or so. Give or take, we got the Red Lake Nation that gives us our walleye. You know, we work with White Earth. They gave us the wild rice. And, yeah, and so it's just these different places. Oh, we'll have people coming in, and, you know, they'll be coming in with their harvest. You know, we got people who have maple, people who got different things. One of the main things, this, like, during the summer is the Dream of Wild Health. They've really helped out a lot. We're going to be working with them quite a bit, too, teaching their youngsters do you guys do like cooking cooking classes? So starting not this not tomorrow but next week we'll be working with the Dream of Wild Health. Yeah, I know, right? So we got four students coming in for 
you know, one month, and then we're going to do another batch of four, and then another batch. And so every Tuesday we're going to be working, you know, making meals for 50 people, and they'll be coming in after school. So we'll get here about 4 o'clock, and then we'll just start getting ready to cook. They serve at 5, and then we clean up. And so we'll be going over different things from just basic, you know, hygiene, proper etiquette, holding the knife, cutting, you know. So hopefully when they graduate, they'll be able to get like a saucepan, cutting board, and a knife to take home. Yeah. Just the process of learning how to cook is one of the most important things I've learned um, doing this podcast for the last two years is just people don't know how to cook. And, you know, that that's one way we can bring food sovereignty to our tables, you know, just individually instead of thinking of these big, giant food sovereignty, you know, questions and issues and stuff like that, which can be like a little bit daunting if you're just, you know, average joe indian but you can learn how to cook and bring some of these things um to your own kitchen and have that own your own little food sovereignty there um but uh would you guys like to add anything else are there any issues that you guys are maybe worried about or focused on here connected to the food or the people here i got to talk about how linus and i met we met up in north dakota in so december you know that's where we met up and so when we got up here, he had mentioned going to visit another camp. You know, if these different things go through, you got to think about what's the possibility of these things, you know, you know, breaking and all this, you know, beautiful things that we use up here, the rice, the fish, the deer, you know, all this stuff that people don't even consider no more. Think about, you know, the natural resources, just the things that are change if that happens. So just getting people aware of that because, you know, you might go to a, you know, we cater to many people, many places. So we might get this really, you know, maybe like people who are very eloquent, you know, got a lot of money, but, you know, they just eat it. But you got to think about those people, remind them, you know, where we're getting this food because those people who have the higher levels can make certain changes or maybe know somebody. So that's the hardest thing because... You know, if you don't know where your rice is coming from, you don't know the problems that are, you know, potentially hurting the natural resources or the land around it, you know, you're not going to really care. But, you know, you eat that, you hear a story, people come in randomly through the cafe, tell us something about something, you know, about their home, their different things. And it's like a blessing because we don't know who's coming in that door or it might be a tester. You know, someone comes in to really push your, you know, I guess, beliefs that sometimes you know, tell you this food is not good, it's so bad, and you're like, whoa, 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 you know, so it's like creators testing you in different ways, you know, I think that's one thing, too, is just reminding people to look at your backyard or where you're from and see the different issues, because there's certainly things going on in New Mexico, Arizona, all the different places that, uh, you know, our natural springs are being tapped, they're being, you know, fracked, or these different things that are just taking it away and making, you know, the natural life not show up no more. You know, just to remember that, you know, our people went through all these things so we could be here. Who thought two natives would be working in the native center in the city of Minneapolis, cooking native food for native people, man. That's the beautiful thing because now, you know, we're here temporarily, but, you know, who's going to be the next person that carries on, you know, that, you know, that chef's knife and then that cutting board, the modern day, being aware of that and reminding people to be good to each other through food because... It's so nice to just give someone a meal and change their day, you know, man. I don't know. It's, it's, you can't put words on that. You're like, thank you, guys. That was not a good meal. Huh? That was the best meal. <laughs> and that boss turned his face. Oh, yeah.
Would you call yourself like a new chef? I wouldn't. I'd just call myself Ben, who's learning different skills along the way, because, like I said, anybody can be a chef. You know, you give yourself a title to something, you know, and then you have the responsibility of keeping that title going on. You know, I like to see myself as, you know, a person coming into this world, wanting and getting to learn all these opportunities through school, language, tradition, capoeira, you know, hoop dancing, mexica, cooking. It's just one of these many tools that creator said i'm going to give you to give you this to have in your you know your repertoire to pull out at certain times because anybody can do this so i like to call myself someone who just you know likes to get down for the people you know a chef at times a uncle a brother you know benjamin gavion <laughs> but yeah if you want to call me chef jeremiah does you know i got your back this 12 year old He's way taller than me. He's like, I got your back, chef. You know, I was like, yes, you do, man. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And, um, you know, maybe what's one of the most important things you learned by, uh, you know, getting into the kitchen, into the gatherings cafe? For me, one of the more important things, I guess, is learning how to express myself because generally I'm a, I used to be a very introverted individual and just kind of like, you know, do my thing. Don't bother. Now it's just, I guess I'm just getting more comfortable in my skin and learning how to just communicate with people like a human being. And I guess, like you said, being able to just communicate with people through their bellies, it's always, it's generally a good outcome and it's easier to just open up the conversation when it revolves about food because everybody needs food. So good to have good medicine over here. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like this at the beginning of the year, like being able to talk and <laughs> just be all quiet and be all quiet and mumbly and just, uh, so, yeah. But that's one of the more important things, I guess, for me. And also kind of you know, one of me is like the importance of family and community because, like I said, I didn't really feel that connection anywhere I went. And then, like, in the res, I had my family in the village, but it's like more than that wasn't really as tight-knit. And this is like, man, I can walk up the street and at least see a person I know, wave at them and... Like, it's, just, it's, it's surreal, man. Like, man, that's, yeah. What about you, Ben? What's one of the most important things you've learned um, in this almost year? <laughs> just giving thanks. Giving thanks to what I've learned back at home because whatever I learned, I apply here. You know, waking up every morning, praying, you know, putting my ashes on, just thinking about, you know, living in the village wherever I go. And I'll be standing outside praying. People will be looking at me like, man, this guy look crazy or something, you know, but... You know, it's just something that my people done. And we were just talking this cool quote we saw, you know, don't take the crazy long route. Don't take the fast route. Take the route your ancestors took. You know, take that time to just really give thanks, you know. Do what we do. Don't hook, you know, pray when you eat and go outside. And we say, oh, wave to people, hug people, you know, be good in that response. And, you know, never leave sour, never leave at an angry phase because you never know when it's going to be the last time you're going to see them. And so just having that because so many people back at home are not there in just that one-year chapter. And so to think about one year again, what's going to come? Because, you know, shedding tears up here, wishing you were back home for certain things, certain people's passings or certain events, you know, it just pushes you more to just give your all at another place because you know people can feel that you know you wave and you walk in the room smiling people are gonna be like yeah this guy's coming through man or you know so just you know knowing that you can change the energy of a room with just a smile going in and just having that positive energy wherever you go and that's what you know i'm bringing back from home so that's what i'm learning here more you know sharing that with my partner you know our dog too you know so it's you know making that community 
making family away from family because we come back if we ever do they're gonna be like oh you guys are welcome to come through come cook some food up i don't know who's gonna be the chef at that time but like hey what's going on hopefully it's the people we're working with now but you know just don't forget who you are because who you are makes you you know that much you know beautiful in the times that we're in right now especially in the cities because you know people are very much the same and people who go against the grain is very hard but you know we're unique like that for the reason and you know thank you for traveling around getting everybody's uh, view on food because each one of us has a different view and you know, at the end of the day, when you're at the table with your loved ones, making something that's what you want for family. And, you know, I hope Linus and I can bring this back home to our villages, our people, and, you know, inspire them to do this because, you know, you're taking two common people, very, you know, just chilling guys, and you're giving them a business to run, people to communicate with, you know, make invoices, do the emails, call back, you know, be a budgeter, go grocery shopping. I'm like, man, we're learning everything we need. We just get a, you know, food truck when we go home and, you know, make it good like that. And like what he mentioned, not being afraid to try new things because, you know, when you're afraid, you know, I always use the analogy. It's like going up to someone, introducing yourself. You know, you got to make that attempt. You got to make that mistake. And, you know, we only get better with time. And sometimes, you know, there's no mistakes, just happy accidents. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Would you like to do a shout out to anybody at home? Oh, man. This guy is my family and friends and everybody from back home. You know, I think about you guys every day. My prayers, my mother, my sister, my nephew, my nieces, you know, everybody, my grandma. It's just because you guys, you know, we push to be this person. And if you want change in life, you got to be that change that you want. You know, it's living a sober life, giving up the things that hurt our people for so long. You know, really decolonizing ourselves, breaking down the things and forgiving the people that have hurt us. Because, you know, when we live with that heaviness, we can't be free. We can't be happy. We can't be joyous. And when you let go of those things and you just feel good in life, appreciate every moment, even though if it's hard, finding happiness out of it because, you know, it's temporary and you know, the joy that our family must be receiving at the end, knowing that Linus and I, are my partner, doing so good out here makes them happy because that lets them know that I raised someone so good that they can go out and go this far. You know, we're continuing our uncles, our aunties, our parents' dreams of, you know, maybe doing this. And so, you know, shout-outs to everybody at home, you know, everybody that's on the path through Capoeira. Muito obrigado todos mestres. You know, I wouldn't have learned who I am without Capoeira and everybody that's come through, like with my professors at NMSU from the very first classes that I'd taken. You know, getting into anthropology, thinking it was astrology. I'm all sitting in class, Dr. Brenda Benefits class, and then I'm like, what? This is anthropology, not astrology? Oh, I'm going to have to get into this class because it talked about that and some, you know. And then Don's like, you better go to Canada, man. You better go to school up there. You, know, you better go to Belize. I'm like, yes, sir. But even with all those journeys, too, you know, taking who you are, taking who you are, making people laugh, you know, laughing's medicine, storytelling's medicine. Maybe we'll be those old people that, you know, just do that. But reminding the youth because this lifestyle we're living is not going to be like this forever. 
the convenience of going to the store and grabbing food when you need it. And I have to start planting again. And I have to start learning how to hunt. So we teach these youngsters, you know, especially the ones here, you know, to, you know, pull a bow, skin an animal, you know, quarter it off, portion out the meat because something like that we always do back at home. But you come over here, it's like, whoa, you're going to do what? You know, so it's just, you know, very new and, you know, giving thanks because letting people know back at home, you know, for the people who are back at home, you know. Because I'm going to need them just as much when I return, when we have kids, you know, and they want to learn from the village, you know, because we are equal. And what uh, I think we're learning here right now is so important because when I go home, you know, it's more beyond cooking. It's teaching, you know, my capoeira is teaching, you know, the hoop dancing, the mashika, you know, different things of just being active, planting, you know, all the beating that we're learning up here, you know, it's just so much and then what we're doing here is just teaching it because I can't learn all this and know it and keep it to myself. You know, I got to teach everybody now because, you know, that's how it feels. But, yeah, you know, one day we'll be back at home and then we'll, you'll come eat at one of our cafes or restaurants. And, you know, what I want is my mind is like make the native lunchable, you know, go through get my dog he'll be pulling the cart through the village you hear the music oh benjamin's coming you know sibella's coming you know you know making it fun because you know back in the day you know that's our part was you know oh he got the goodie bag you know we're gonna make soup you got <laughs> you know but making it fun again you know helping our people through laughter healing forgiveness and training again getting strong eating good man i just want to say you know, like my awesome people and my family from Kababi or Kawahuya, Badgerwell. And, and I like to say there are some people that come to my mind from our, my particular two of my cousins as far as uh, one of them is always messaging me about all the random foraging adventure he's on, Calvin Jr. And then the other one, Nacho, he's one that, man, that guy keeps it tradition, man. He's, those guys are the ones that kind of drive me and help me become a better person and try and be the most I can for my people back home. Just, yeah, like, imagine Nacho now either making a Navajo textile rug or weaving a basket or man, something. And then also his mom, Lisa, she keeps it tradition too with the pottery making and teaching the kids the autumn language, the Hematak, and I just want to say appreciate them all keeping it alive, and I'm doing my best up here to at least share what I know and with the people up here because they're very receptive to things from other cultures, and yeah, them I'd like to really shout out to those guys and the New Mexico people. I'd like to shout out to Thomas Pless, my martial arts jiu-jitsu professor, for getting me started on as far as being here because I reflect on this almost every day as far as like I would not be here if I didn't start that journey either. It's like that kind of changed my mentality and how I think about things. And if it, like, I wouldn't have been at North Dakota to meet Ben at the Standing Rock, or I wouldn't have, like since martial arts, I wouldn't have even been in this reality. So I just got to thank Thomas Plus for that. And Natalie Roy, another one that's for the Muay Thai, and Molly Hensel in Tucson, but you know, all these different people that have helped me and get better as a human being and that I still look up to. And they make me want to try harder for them just so that what they taught me can be shared more and i'm also want to thank ben man just for here because he's the one that's teaching me how to be more expressive and share the things i know as well man so like i said just keep learning and try and share what we know and yep but those are the main ones man you could my cousin cj nacho and then 
uh, Thomas, Natalie, and Molly Hensel. Thank you. asking me where they can get native food? Well, that's usually the first question people ask me when I mention native food. So I made a list of native-owned food companies, and it's on ToastedSisterPodcast.com. It even includes a map of native-owned restaurants across the U.S. and Canada. And it's a growing list, so if you know of native-owned food companies, restaurants, food trucks, or caterers, let me know, send me an email, and I'll get them on the list and on the map. But feel free to check out this list. It already includes dozens of small native food companies. If you want to support Toasted Sister and the journalistic work I do here, head on over to the Give and Buy page on the website. That's ToastedSisterPodcast.com. There are stickers there, coffee cups, and copies of my zine, Eminent Cuisine, available for sale. You can also tell all your friends and family about this podcast, and I encourage you to share links to episodes on social media and preach the Toasted Sister gospel in the streets. You can also rate and review Toasted Sister on iTunes. That also helps get the word out about this show. And as always, Toasted Sister is supported by the Kuwanik Broadcast Corporation. It plays regularly on The River, that's R-I-V. Are Rising Indigenous Voices Radio and on KCZY, Navajo Technical University's radio station. And thank you so much for listening. I'm Andy Murphy from the Navajo Nation. <laughs>